calorie density is just very different when you eat like a lot of nuts and seeds and fats in general. And for me, I enjoy eating and I love eating. And the way I can eat now, the amount of food is just much bigger and it makes me just more happy, you know. It's kind of like what everyone wants in a way, you know, like having huge plates and actually losing weight and not gaining. Hello, everyone, and welcome or welcome back to Mom Light, the podcast dedicated to helping you find more health, more vitality and vibrancy and shine your inner light despite the busyness, the challenges of modern day life, COVID-19 life. I'm so happy you are here. I'm so honored to be bringing this episode to you and all the episodes to you and to be able to share this podcast. If you have been following along over the last few weeks, you will know that I've been doing a really interesting series on diabetes, which kicked off with a conversation with Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams. I highly recommend you check that out. It's super inspiring and super mind-blowing. Eric reversed his type 2 diabetes diagnosis, loss of vision in his left eye by moving to a whole food plant-based diet from standard American diet and is now on a mission to educate and help more people unleash, uncover, unearth the power of food as medicine. We then talked to Cyrus and Robbie of Mastering Diabetes, where they have launched a game-changing, revolutionary program that also leverages the power of a whole food plant-based diet to reverse, prevent, treat diabetes of all complexions. They're really, really interesting scientific deep dives. I learned a lot. I am not 100% plant-based. I'm more like 90% plant-based, but I just love how these conversations bring to light the power of plants, whether or not you're 100% or not plant-based, and how we have so many ill-conceived, misconstrued notions about what to eat and what not to eat, and carbs and you know potatoes and sweet potatoes and fruit. And I just really, really wanted to debunk so many myths through this series. And today's conversation is going to do just that. And it's a really fascinating chat with Jules Horn. Jules is a model and super interestingly was literally on the carnivore diet, which believe it or not is an actual diet, which is a little bit disturbing to me, but hey, the carnivore diet advocates the ingestion of lots and lots of animal-based protein with the idea that you are optimizing protein, optimizing satiety, helping muscle mass, managing insulin sensitivity, managing your weight, etc., etc. And while Jules was on this diet, he looked fine on the outside, but he felt like absolute garbage on the inside. He will say that in his own words. And today he's going to share with us how he went from a very, very meat-focused lifestyle to overnight a whole food plant-based diet. Now, Jules is that kind of guy. He likes to make a black and white switch when he's committed to something. But through his story, we are going to learn and appreciate how moving in the direction of more plants in our diet is absolutely game-changing. Jules also shares how despite moving to whole food plant-based diet and feeling amazing for a while, 
he was pushing too hard in the direction of fasting every single day. He's going to talk about his story on intermittent fasting, exercise, and this sort of more is more mentality, which so many of us can get caught up in, and how he had a kind of scary wake up call and finally now feels like he has found sort of true balance and the path of true optimal health. His journey is wild. It's really, really interesting. And I cannot wait to bring this conversation to you. He is a staunch vegan now, really, really passionate about the environment, about planet Earth, about animals. And it's just a really fascinating chat. And whether or not you want to be vegan, whether or not you are vegan, whether or not you want to be 100% plant-based, I know this conversation is going to inspire and enlighten you. Without further ado, on to the podcast with Jules Horn. Jules, welcome to Mom Light. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks for being here, especially in these unprecedented times. How are you dealing with COVID-19, the quarantine, the new normal? Well, you know, it's kind of, it's an interesting time. Of course, it's like crazy, but I do think we all should just take this time and sit back, reflect and do things which you're usually not doing, you know, like, for example, I gave up coffee. I decided like with the starting the, the proper quarantine, like four days ago, I was like, okay, I want to break some habits, which I wanted to break forever, but never did it because, you know, when you're in the daily life in New York City, it's been tactic you have to run from a to b to c and you can't really have like withdrawal effect from getting off coffee or any other substance you depend on you know there's no better time than it's right now to break certain habits you know and to be honest like there's nothing we can really do for now besides staying positive and helping each other out as much as we can so saram does always say we all just walk each other home you know and this whole thing what's happening right now is all part of our journey and we just have to embrace it the best way we can and then take it from there, you know, and it's one day at a time. And I think everyone should just relax a little bit and take care of themselves, wash your hands and just like the quarantine is, is necessary and we just, it will pass, you know. That's what I think. And that's how I take it. Yeah, I love that you talked about using this as an opportunity for habit change because it is so hard to change some of those habits when we're in the thick of the busyness of daily life. Yeah. I really am thinking about this like a forced retreat. You know, sometimes people go on these yoga retreats or these spiritual retreats or like we call them in India Vipassanas where you don't yeah. talk for like 60 days. Yeah. I mean, we're talking a lot in my house because I've got my kids and my husband home, but it really is like a forced retreat. It's like a forced slowdown. And I think, I mean, I'm really optimistic. I think it's sad and that we're going to lose lives and there is going to be a huge upheaval of the health system. But, you know, we have to, if we are forced to look at the positives, which we have to, I think it's going to force a lot of us to spend more time with ourselves, which we never do um, in daily life. So... That's awesome. How do you feel since you stopped coffee for four days? And you're a daily coffee drinker, right? Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's the same. Like I, I always said, and I still can say I love coffee and I loved it so much. I would grind every morning my beans by hand and like make a French press, this whole ritual. But then it's the same, like, you know, with that, it's an addiction and it's sort of like a drug, if you want to say it like that. And I just like today's the first day, it's day four. And I really can say I'm like, now I feel great. You know, I feel really good. But the last three days were kind of like a, a struggle. 
like headaches and all that stuff, like mood swings, and I didn't feel well, sluggishness. And yesterday, to be fairly honest, it was like it was a, a mind game. I was nearly, I was close at around 1 p.m. to make a cup of coffee, and then I was like, no, if you can change those things in your head, you can achieve anything you want, you know. And it's it's like the mindset you built, you know, because if you can change a habit which you have like for 10 years, 10 plus years, or whatever, however long it is. You can do anything in life, you know, it's just how much you want it. And when it comes to habits, it comes to diet and whatever it is, like working out, training, you know, if you want to do something, you can do it, you know, of course, there has to be some sort of balance. But I do believe now even more than you can achieve anything you want. It's just all in your head, you know. So do you plan to drink coffee again? Or are you literally like, I'm just going to quit? Yeah, I quit 100% because... (laughs) I do believe also for myself, you know, it's with everything. For you, coffee might be good. For me, it's not because I always struggled a little bit with digestive issues. And I think it's just too acidic for my body, especially since I'm like vegan and plant-based now. You know, you, you do so much to, you, you structure your whole life to be like as healthy as possible. And then in a sense, it's acidic and it's in some sense like toxic and I wouldn't get always the perfect coffee beans when you drink coffee outside, you know, and it's like some beans might be moldy and I just, you know, it's, I'm extreme, but it's just who I am and I cut it out forever and it's, I probably feel feel better than ever then, you know. And I also think like with caffeine in general, like if you're active, if you eat right, if you're healthy, there shouldn't be any substance you need to get like more energy, you know. If you eat the right foods, like energy should come from food, you know, it's the same like with all the supplements and all the like energy boosters or whatever, like you can't take a million pills, but if your diet is not right, it's never going to work out, you know, so let food be the medicine. I totally agree. Well, everyone is not as disciplined as you. So they're, you know, but I I will say that whenever I have cut back on coffee or quit for a while, um, you know, you find this like new source of energy that reveals itself, which is not dependent on the caffeine. It's like an inner vitality, I guess, is quite remarkable. But, and I agree with you that, you know, coffee doesn't suit everyone. I don't think it really suits me, to be honest. It is quite acidic. And I'm just like so tired right now from mom life that I'm just using it as a salve. But I think it's a good reminder that, you know, even taking a break from some of these things where we feel like they've become crutches is, is a good exercise. Yeah, for sure. hundred percent. Well, so along this theme of like um, all or nothing and on being on a quest for (laughs) self-mastery, let's kind of take it way back to, um, I guess now it's like a year and something ago, a year and three months ago when you made a very, very massive shift. Um, You pretty much went from being very, very animal protein based in your diet to becoming totally vegan literally overnight. Yeah. Tell (laughs) us about why you did that and how you did that and just that whole situation and like yeah walk us through that massive monumental transition so yeah um i go a little bit further back i grew up in germany and my dad used to be his soul life he was a butcher so and the german diet is pretty much like meat and sausage based anyways so and you know you you grow up like okay if you want to be a man you need to eat steak you know and you need to have like a lot of animal protein to to become strong and all that sort of stuff. <clears throat> so I was really, when I came to America 2016, and the fashion industry put like a little bit of pressure, a lot of pressure on me, I'd say. Like, I always wanted to be in great shape, to book jobs, to, to look good. 
And then I only wanted to look good. I never really put like much effort on also feeling the best, you know. So I started fasting a lot. I, I did the keto diet. And yeah, in the long run or like short term, I was looking all right. right? You know, I, I looked as I wanted to look, but I never really felt great. And then all those diets like keto and like super high protein, low carb, it always goes just a little bit. For me, it's always been like three months and then I see a major shift back. So by the end of 2019, I switched back from high carb, high animal protein to low carb, high fat and all that stuff. So I done all the diets. I didn't feel good anymore. I woke up every morning. My face was huge. Like I felt inflamed. My whole body was like not feeling well. I was tired. My digestion was totally off. And yeah, the top of the iceberg was basically when I had a shoot 2019 in the first week of 2019 in January. And I was in Miami. And it was a lot of topless stuff, like shirtless with other guys. And I didn't feel comfortable at all. And I was like, this is terrible. I need to change something. So it ended up the hairstylist was a vegan for over three years. And he said how great he feels. So we, we ended up talking all day about it. And then I, when I got back the same night to New York City, I was watching um, Folks of a Knife. And I was like, okay, this is so disgusting. And I just don't want to do this anymore to like support all the agriculture and the mass killing. And on top of that, I just also want to feel better. So I decided overnight to go vegan. So from one day to another, and honestly, like, you know, for me, it's, it's my mindset. And when I want to do something, I can do it like instantly. And I didn't miss any steak. I didn't miss any eggs or anything. It took a while to adapt to it, be fairly honest, you know, and there's everyone going to say that because if you go from like very low carb all of a sudden to much more carbs, much more fiber, your digestive system needs time to adjust to that. And I was totally fine with it. And yeah, ever since it's been an amazing journey, everything got better, you know, like my energy and it's been great. And for me, it's also ever since I switched to fully plant-based and vegan, I really can say that I'm much more spiritual and my energy like my spiritual energy is much more pure because I do also believe now looking back the times when I woke up and was anxious and like was aggressive and not happy with myself. It also came from all you eat the feelings of the animals, you know, and if a cow is like treated so badly and it's like slaughtered in a horrible way, the fear and the anxiety you, you get from the cow, you have it in your body, you know, and we all the same and it's all, we all made out of like energy. So it's just, normal that you don't feel the best then when you eat all this kind of food and now with having just plants in my diet i just feel great <laughs> yeah wow that is quite a journey quite a shift um you know you talked about how it took some time to adapt so do you have any tips for people who are making this transition even for people who are going from like eating a lot of meat to trying to eat it like once a week, like eating more plants, make, I mean, what were some of the side effects? You said like digestive issues. So like bloating, just feeling like different in your digestive Yeah, just, just a little, like bloated, you know. I think if everyone starts, uh, goes to, to a vegan plant-based diet, you can take probiotics and enzymes really helped me a lot, you know. So after every meal, you take some, some enzymes. It's great. And also you always should remember, it's like you have to start slowly with everything, you know, because for example, when somebody, I'm not saying it's good to drink alcohol or wine or whatever, but if you start drinking red wine, 
you're not drinking a bottle of red wine in the in the first at the first time you know you start with a glass and see how it goes from there and now when i uh, when i talk to people they say oh yeah i tried being vegan but it didn't work i was super bloated i felt disgusting i felt i felt i'm pregnant and i was like okay what did you eat and they're like yeah i ate a the first day I started lunch and I had a can of beans. I said, well, if you eat like three and a half cups of beans at the first sitting, your digestive system is not made for that, you know? You have to right. go slowly. And it's really So go slow, right. Especially some of those yeah. foods that really need a stronger digestive power, like the beans. Um, yeah. Start with small exactly. amounts. I tell people that all the time. Like use herbs and spices to help digest. And there might be a little bit of bloating as a transition feeling you know it doesn't mean yeah. you're off it just means you're building those microbial populations that are going to help you digest those foods exactly and then just little things i think like what i learned over the past year is so say you know don't drink too much water with every meal because it interrupts like your stomach acid and and i think also for me i used to drink away too much water you know, and then you retain a lot of water and then it's like you blame it on the diet, but it's actually too much is not good either. So it's fine. To, you should hydrate all day, but not like a ton of water every day, because otherwise, if you're not like sweating it out or whatever, you, your body retains it. And then it's also getting hard on your kidneys and your kidneys yeah. need to flush and stuff like that, you know. Interesting. Well, we are going to go in deeper into this theme of how too much is not always better yeah. own story. But um, yeah, that's a great point about water. You know, I think, I think I read a study that said we don't really know. Like people are like, drink like so many liters of water a day. Like yeah. everyone's different. We don't really know what that magic number is. And something I read that helped me was you should drink as much water as allows you to go to the bathroom like five times, you know, during the day. Yeah. So for some people, that might be, I don't know, like two liters. For some people, it might be one and a half. Like, I don't know, you know. But instead of being so fixated on the quantity or just feeling like you have to constantly be chugging water, maybe also tap into like how thirsty are you? Yeah. How much are you sweating? That was a great point. Because if you're not even moving or sweating and just drinking a ton of water, maybe you don't need as much as you think you need. Exactly. And it's, it's really just listen to your body. You know, if you're thirsty, then drink. I once, it's like a couple of years back and the, he, he was a, a doctor from Middle East. I met him in London and he told me, I think you drink too much water. And I was never listening. And now I always have it in my head, you know, and he would always say, you just drink when you're thirsty. You don't need to drink that much water. And on top of that, you know, if you're vegan plant-based, you eat whole food plant-based diet. All the food you eat, like most of it, it's like fruit, vegetables. There's so much water in it. Mm -hmm. You don't even realize how much. If you eat like fruits and vegetables, you don't even need to drink much. That's a great point. Get, and we, like we hydrate, about hydration that, through food, right? Yeah. You get much better hydrated from like if you eat like grapes, watermelon or an apple, you know. Because it hydrates your cells much better. Yeah, great points. And I love that you brought up, brought that up about drinking during meals because that's a very ancient Ayurvedic tip, um, ancient Indian medical system, which says do not drink water during your meals. My grandma used to tell me that growing up because it's thought to shut down the digestive fire and like you said, dilute the acids. You know, So a lot of times we feel like we have to chug water while we drink. That's a great tip for people who are feeling like they're not digesting as optimally. Um, yeah. Don't feel like you have to chug water while you drink. Amazing. So you didn't miss the taste of meat, which is quite amazing for somebody who grew up in Germany being the son of a butcher, eating meat <laughs> all the 
time. Do you think that's just because of the way you're wired and your mindset? Like you just decided so like you don't even allow yourself the space to like miss it? Or do you really think that whole thing is overrated? So many people are like, I miss, you know, I just miss, I miss the taste of meat. I miss that like substantial part of my meal. I do think it's overrated being honest because it's a mind game, you know, it's all in your head because if you tell yourself, oh, I love meat, I love meat, I love meat, of course you, your body tells you, oh, I, I need it, you know. And if you say from one day to another, as I did, I said, I, I don't want to be part of that anymore and I don't need it. I know I don't need it and I don't want it anymore. And now to be really honest, like if I go to Whole Foods or any other grocery store and I walk by the meat section, the fresh meat, it's even the fish, it grosses me out. I can't even smell it. It's disgusting, wow. you know. So you really change your mindset, your why, your intention, taste buds changed. A hundred percent. It's like, for me, it's when I know it makes me feel good. Why should it change it, you know? And there's so many books out there right now. And you go online and Google plant-based and vegan diets, the science behind it, that it's actually the, the diet which you should eat as a human being is so huge right now. And it just grows and grows every day. So I think a lot of people will go in that direction because that's why we're here and that's why we spread the word, you know? Yeah. And it's for me right now, to be fairly honest, I know for me it's the best, but on top of that, I mainly do it now because for the animals and for the environment, you know, because as I said earlier, we all just walk each other home and we're all just here for a certain period of time. And I don't see any point why I should be part of killing another animal because in the end of the day, humans are animals too. And then um, if we don't change our daily habits, like our behaviors towards Mother Earth, our planet's not going to be the same. You know, what's happening right now with, with the coronavirus is it shows it, you know, all of a sudden everything is shut down and you see like the clear water in Venice and the canals, you know, you see the swans are back in Venice. They're like in the cities, you see like wild animals walking around, you know, the, the nature gets back very quickly. But if we never stop and if we never take a step back and say, oh, maybe we should all change then and just continue what we're doing right now, then it's not going to happen, you know. So I really want to push more and more on my Instagram and like in general, just to be more aware of what's going on out there and just to make a change and be part of the movement. And everyone can do it, you know. Totally. And I think it's clear that you found a lifestyle that not just helps you feel amazing physically, mentally, spiritually, but also just checks a lot of boxes in terms of how you want to live on planet Earth, how you want to treat fellow living creatures. You know, and I think a lot of people listening might feel inspired by a lot of those intentions, but also a little bit overwhelmed by going black and white like overnight. And so I always tell people like start with like individual meals, you know, start with next meal? Can you make it plant-based and just be curious about how that feels? And maybe you end up for a few months in a place where like nine out of 10 meals are plant-based. That's still a huge step. That's amazing. Direction of like climate change and all that stuff. So not everybody is black and white. No, for (laughs) sure. And I I also, um, what I want to do is like, I want to help in the future. I want to start a company and help people like with a lifestyle change towards a plant-based diet. And of course, you can say to everyone, okay, you're going to go um, vegan by tomorrow. So what I would do is like, okay, the first week you implement one day of eating plant-based and the next day is two. And then you just slowly build up till it's a whole week. And then I know for sure if people do the transition like that slowly and after 
you've done a whole week of being plant-based vegan, they're not going to go back because they just feel too good. You know, I totally agree with you. It's just, everyone is very individual. Of course, there are crazy people like me out there who, <laughs> who do it like from one day to another. But I think if we all make certain steps in the right direction and eventually ending up being vegan and plant-based mainly, then we would have made major steps in the towards a healthier planet, you know? Yeah. How does your family feel about it? Like your parents, um, are they still, do they still eat meat? Like what do they think? Yeah, they eat a lot of meat still, but you know, every time I would go back home to Germany, I cook for them and then they actually enjoy it. And the week I'm there or the 10 days, they basically eat what I cook my dad and my parents are divorced. So if I go to my mom, I cook with her sometimes. So I try to do my best, you know, but sometimes you can only do as much. And it also has to come from the person itself. You know, you can tell people, oh, you need to do this. And if they don't want to, they're never going to do it, you know. I guess all you can do is stand in your own truth and do what feels right exactly. for you. Right? And it's, it's inspire as much as you can. And then show you, that's what I want to do. Show as many people as possible that you can live a healthy and happy life with being 100% vegan. Also like training a lot and being a model and all that sorts of stuff, you know, because people don't believe it unless they see it. So that's why I think the more I can spread the word, the more I can inspire and the more I can bring people on that path, happier I am. <laughs> Yeah, totally. So the most common question I get asked, I'm sure you've heard it a bazillion times. I know there's lots of vegan jokes on Instagram about it, which is, um, oh, but what about protein? Like you went vegan, you're a model, you have to be ripped, you have to have muscle. I still get people, women telling me, oh, but like, how can I not eat, you know, my piece of grilled chicken? Like, what am I going to do for protein? So what do you say to those people? Well, so there are a few things you can do and what I do. So Obviously, every plant is protein, you know, so spinach is protein, rice is protein, quinoa. So if you eat enough food, which you will when you're on a whole food plant-based diet and don't add too much oils and stuff to it, then you get enough protein for the average person. Another thing is if you're very, very active and like work out like every day or five, six times a week, I myself have an essential amino acid powder, which I take every day that basically essential amino acids is the building blocks of all the proteins and of all, all the stuff in your body and you get it from food so i take that once a day and then i'm fine with that and sometimes i just take it when i make overnight oats i put in or a smoothie I, I put in some vegan protein powder just for the taste but in general the whole um protein myth is totally overrated because in the end of the day you don't even need that much you know especially right now we're all in quarantine you know if we have we have like 60, 70 grams of protein a day, uh, like maybe 50. That's enough, you know, to maintain and sustain the muscle mass you have because you're not super active anyways. And it's also in the end of the day, if you eat too much protein, it just gets turned into glycogen and it works as sugar in your body, you know? So it's kind of like people totally overthink it and it's like all marketing and it's not as necessary. And there are major people out there in the plant-based community, Nimai Degado, the plant-based bodybuilder you know if you look at those people who are huge have big muscle and maintain that over years um, that just shows that it's possible and of course everyone if you want to be an athlete you need to supplement but it's not just because you're on a vegan diet it's in general if you want to like achieve major things physically you need to supplement with certain things and it's for everyone the same you know so i right. i always say don't overthink the protein situation if you want to make sure you get all the amino acids in your body, just take a supplement. 
and I rather take a supplement before I kill any animal, you know. So it's very yeah. simple for me. Yeah, and like you said, and you said now, and we've talked about before, you know, people who are not vegan are also supplementing. They're just supplementing with like animal-based protein powders. Exactly. So this idea that only vegans have to supplement, and I'd rather get my food from real food, is actually not true for athletes who are not vegan. Everybody's supplementing. Yeah, yeah exactly. <clears throat> and the chance that you get all the nutrients you need in your body. The chance from a, you, you're getting all of them is much higher from a plant-based diet because it's much more nutrient dense and there's much more vitamins and minerals and everything in it, you know. So it's just all overrated. And it's an excuse for a lot of people saying, "Oh, I, I can't be vegan because I don't get enough protein." No, that's that's not. The yeah, right. and very that's clever true. marketing by all the weight yeah. powder companies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay, cool. So um, let's switch gears now to, I think, what's been a very interesting recent journey for you. So you became vegan, you were feeling great, you were whole food plant-based, and then you were eating a certain kind of vegan diet skewed towards certain macronutrients, plus you were incorporating fasting, and it was working for a while, and then it stopped working. Tell us about that journey. So what I did is like, Initially, I went whole food plant-based and I had carbs and all that stuff. And then, you know how it is in social media, you get a little bit distracted. Oh, let's try something new. I want to, maybe I get in better shape. And I still have this a little bit in my mind always. And I try to... Well, you're in the industry where that is like your currency, right? So And being driven is always good, but at some point you also should take a step back and say, okay, I'm actually happy with who I am right now. So anyways, long story short, I basically, it was in October last year, I was like, oh, let's try a vegan keto because it came up on my on my Instagram feed and I read a lot about it again. I was like, this must be the ultimate thing, you know? So, and on top of that, so I would eat a lot of coconut oil, um, a lot of like olive oil, nuts and seeds. And on top of that, I would start fasting. I started with like 16 hours and then after like two, three weeks, I would do 20 hours every single day. And I felt great, you know, I really felt good. And again, it worked out for me like about three months, four months, three and a half months. And then end of January this year, I felt really like every time after dinner, I was sluggish, I was tired, I felt exhausted. I felt like my stress level was so high. My face would blow up, like would would be puffy and like would pulsing. So I ended up seeing a doctor, a cardiologist, and she was like, have you ever done a DNA test? I was like, well, yeah, I did. And then I showed it to her. And apparently there's a genotype, it's called apolipoprotein. And there are four different types in it. And when you, it, it's a indicator how you metabolize fats in your body. Mm-hmm. So, and if you, number four, then your body can't metabolize fats at all. Oh, I didn't so, realize. so are you APOE4 carrier? Yeah, I'm four. So, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, I have this test over here at home, but I read through it, but it's not described for me so I can understand it. So basically... I did a diet for over three months, which is the worst for my gene and for my body, you know. That's why I was like, my body was freaking out. So it was a constant fight or flight mode. And on top with the, with the fasting, it just shoots up your cortisol even higher. So basically, I was like, okay, what shall I do? She was like, come into my clinic and we do a blood test as well. So I did a blood test. And then she said to me that I, after the results came back, she was like, you developed insulin resistance because you didn't eat too many carbs and you ate way too much fat so basically if i wouldn't have seen her and just continue with what i did in the past with like high fat low carb i probably would become like diabetic 
which is kind of scary. And like, if you think about it, it's insane. And yeah, it's just, you know, keto diet is fine if you want to like treat certain diseases, but it's never, it's never going to be something for the long run and for the longevity in general, because it's just too hard on your body. And even if you can, can metabolize fats well, it's nothing what you should stick to for the long run because you're in a fight or flight mode 24 seven. And eventually at one point your body will crash, you know? And in my case, it's like, I'm very happy that the universe brought me to this doctor and that I got connected with her and I jumped off this, this train before it was too late. Wow. So just to the listeners, I want to say that APOE4, some, you know, I think it's like, I want to say 30% of the population has the APOE4 allele, which Jules is talking about. And basically this alters your ability to handle particularly saturated fat. And so you're more sensitive to converting that into LDL cholesterol. And if you listen back to the last episode on Mom Light with Cyrus and Robbie of Mastering Diabetes, and Jules will talk in a second about how he reached out to those guys too and has their book, you can understand why a diet that is so high in fat and saturated fat actually can cause insulin resistance. We always blame carbohydrates for insulin resistance, but it's really the fat in the diet from a mechanistic perspective, like what's going on at a molecular level. It's really, really important to understand that because diabetes is a huge problem in our population. And so thank you for bringing that up because I think so many people are scared of carbs. They're scared of real food carbs. They're scared of potatoes. They're scared of sweet potatoes. They're like, it's too many carbs. You know, I'd rather eat fat and protein. So um, the fact that you were doing that and fasting and doing all these things that are technically supposed to be super beneficial, but ended up giving yourself kind of pre-diabetes and feeling feeling good and then suddenly not feeling good and like listening to your body, going in, getting yourself checked out, I think is just such a lesson for everyone listening. So thank you for sharing that. So how, so what did you do after the blood test in terms of changing your diet and how do you feel now? How, how long ago did you make the switches? So I just, again, like I went home and then I was kind of like, in a, not in a shock, but I was really, really surprised. And I was like, wow, this is insane. And it's, this is serious, you know? And then basically it was like, I came home late in the day, so I didn't really eat much that day. But the next morning I just made, I had oatmeal again, you know, and I just paid attention because then I reached out to the Mastering Diabetes guys, which I think are two amazing humans. And I'm very grateful that those people are around, you know, and their book is amazing. They sent me their book. I read through it and I was like, wow, this is all, basically this is a blueprint what you went through and now you can change it with the help of them and they guide you along and it's been great. And the more I listened to them, like Robbie told me that I should try to not have more than 30 grams of fats to reverse the insulin resistance. And I stick to it like still, it's been like six weeks or something like that. And I really feel great. And it's funny because, you know, you think, okay, with a keto diet, you lose all the body fat, but it's actually, it's, first of all, it's not sustainable, as I said. And now I feel like the more plants, the more fruits, the more whole grains I eat and the less fat I have in my diet, the better I feel and the more energy I have. And also the lean I get. If it's it's not everyone's like goal to be as lean as possible. And it's also I know it's also not super healthy to be all the time very, very lean, but it's just part of my job too to have a certain body and to look a certain way. So for me it's been I eat more food. I eat the quantity of food is much much bigger and I feel much better and much more happy, you know. 
Yeah, I mean, so many great points there. You know, um, we are so fixated on these short-term goals of like weight loss and the keto diet, for example, can give you that, but there can be potentially dangerous consequences as a result of meeting those short-term goals when it comes to long-term health, you know? And I think yeah. we're seeing that now in more and more studies. Like you said, there are particular medical indications where keto can be helpful, like epilepsy. But in most other cases, there is really no precedent for humans eating such a high-fat diet on such a sustained basis. And for people who want to enjoy the effects of ketogenesis, just do like occasional fasting. Your body will naturally tap into stored fat. You'll make some ketone bodies. You'll get some benefits, this idea of like bombarding your system with fat to make continuous ketone bodies. And like you said, all those real foods that then get pushed out of the diet because you're no longer eating any whole grains, you're super limited in terms of the number of fruits you can eat, the types of vegetables you can eat. Um, it's like, you know, it just doesn't make sense. Like if you think of our ancestors and the fact that they were eating, they were gatherer hunters, like not really hunter gatherers, exactly. they weren't able to hunt every day. So did you feel like there was a transition from a digestion perspective this time as well when you switched no. from like higher fat to more kind of low fat, high carb, whole food? No, actually not at all. I started like taking enzymes a little bit just to prevent that, but I didn't have any problems because, you know, your body's, my body was used to, I had like a ton of salad and a lot of like chia seeds before. So now it's probably even easier on my digestion because if you eat more like fruits and like squash and sweet potatoes, starches, it's kind of easier to digest than all the leafy greens, you know, and all the nuts and seeds. So I haven't had any problems at all, actually. And I, again, coming back to what you just said, like with fasting, I do think it's very healthy to do at least a 12 to 14 hour overnight fast. And this is just like eating according our circadian rhythm, you know, because when the sun goes up, you don't need to eat like immediately. Just push your first meal an hour. Let's say if you get up at six, just eat between seven and eight and then finish an hour earlier. Like when you go, to, usually you finish at eight, just finish at seven. And then you have already like 12, 13 hours, you know, it's, it's very healthy. And then once a week or once every two weeks, you can do if you, if you feel like it and you, you want to tap into like autophagy a lot, you just do a 24 hour fast. And that's also not too harsh on your body and it's everyone can do that you know of course you have to build up slowly just to once a week start with an 18 hour fast and then the other week 20 hours and then you do 24 hours that's basically what i'm doing right now because i also found since i'm from such a tiny place in germany like a literally 120 people village and living now here in new york is so much more stress already on my body so i have so much more input and i always when i go extreme like what i did with those 20 hour fast every single day I forget that, you know, I push it out of my mind and think, okay, you can't do it. If other people can do it, you can do it, but it's not the case. You know, you really have to listen to your body and also your history, where you're coming from. You know, if you have like eating disorders in your past, then you shouldn't necessarily fast like every day because then it just gets, comes back and gets worse, you know? So for me, it's more about like keeping the stress level as low as possible. You know, for example, yesterday I did a 24-hour fast because I, you know, you, I didn't move at all. We're in quarantine again, I say again, but we sit at home all day, you know, and then if you're strong enough in your mind, because I know a lot of people now eat out of boredom, and if you're strong enough, you can do a 24-hour fast and you actually feel great the next day because you reset all your, like, hunger hormones and everything, you know. And I just think implementing, like, overnight fasts and every other week or once a week a longer fast, it's beneficial and great for everyone and as long as it keeps it in balance you know it's 
it's great. Yeah, balance is really key, isn't it? It sounds like you were doing pretty extreme daily fasts, and I have to say, so many people are nowadays because everyone's bought into this idea that the daily sixteen, eighteen hour fasting is just so beneficial. And everyone's like, "I do sixteen eight every single day," and you know, yeah. I, I mean, I did it as well for a while, and I've shared on my social media that I started to feel just like the stress level, like on my body. My body just felt like strung out. Like that's the only way I can explain it. Like it didn't feel calm, relaxed, and at ease. It was. Like I was like white knuckling my way through these like 16, 18 hour daily yeah. fasts. And particularly for women, especially in certain parts of our like monthly cycle, it really can be too much stress. And so I think, you know, Jules is really just bringing up an amazing point about really listening to your body. There could be subtle signs of stress. It's hard to know when too much is too much, you know. But I think if you're always feeling a little bit on edge, <laughs> that's not a good feeling. Like we're not meant to chronically be stressed. Short-term stress can be health beneficial, like a hard workout or like an occasional 24-hour fast. But like constantly being stressed is not beneficial. No, it's not good. And also, you, I mean, our bodies are smart, you know, because if you force yourself not eating all the time, all the time, your body won't give away the last fat you have. Because it also is, an, again, it's in a fight or flight mode and your body says, okay, if I don't get any food, I'm not going to give away anything else. I'm, I rather store, you know, some people, they do fast all day and then they eat. And then all they do is like um, gaining body fat because it's just yeah. your, your home, hormones are so off and just your body doesn't work as it should anymore. And this is, it's just unhealthy and it's not good for the long run. But again, like on social media, if you type in like hashtag fasting, intermittent fasting it's so huge it's the same with keto and it's uh, yeah it's good for short-term goals but again coming to longevity and living a healthy and long life it's not great to do like in insane fasting every day to do insane like high fat diets it's just our body just want to be in ease and in balance i guess that's how yeah. the way I, I see it and the more calm you can be the better it is you know so it sounds like your current regimen, just to repeat for listeners, is that you're doing like a daily time-restricted eating, basically, where you fast kind of overnight, like 14 hours? Yeah, it depends, really. So if I'm out and have a, like a social dinner and I finish by nine, then I just do like a 12-hour fast, you know? Right. But so you usually it's like, like by nine in the morning. Yeah, like around nine. Sometimes if I wake up and I'm hungry, I eat at eight, you know? Yeah. So you most likely get up around somewhere between 5.30 and 6, you know? So I don't push it too far because it's also your cortisol is most elevated in the morning. And right. then if you, if you do certain things like working out crazy or whatever on an empty stomach all the time, it's the same. Like then you go in the opposite direction where you want to be. You know? Too much cortisol. So, yeah, too much cortisol. And I really think my cortisol, it's over the years I figured that out that it runs pretty high already because as I said, like with living in New York City and putting the stress on my in my mind and my body you always want to look good and have to sort of so the more calm i am the, the less stress i have on my body and the lower my cortisol is the better and yeah as you said like we want to have like elevated cortisol at some point like when you do a hard workout that's great and we need that and or do a long fast but just overall like on an average day you shouldn't be running on high cortisol all the time you know yeah. So you really went from uh, not eating breakfast pretty much for like when you were doing your longer fast to then starting to eat breakfast again, right? Yeah. And I feel really much better. It's, yeah. It changes a lot. And again, like for, for, for some people, they say, oh, I don't feel great if I have a lot of food in the morning, but you don't need to eat a lot. It's just maybe yeah. you have an 
a fruit piece of fruit or two, you know, it's more about like giving your body something to work on. And I'm now I can say since I got off coffee, but I talked with a friend and she was telling me, you know, it's, it's normally if you fast in the morning, your cortisol is already elevated. And then a lot of people are, I do intermittent fasting and I drink only all I drink is black coffee till two o'clock. And then, yeah, you have two or three cups of black coffee and Ouch. your cortisol gets even, gets <laughs> yeah. even more elevated. And then you you basically run on adrenaline yeah. half, half of the day. And of course you feel great and you have energy and you've focused and because it's a fight or flight mode, you know, because right. if you think if, and it's an extreme example, but if you're, if you're in the, in the ocean and the uh, shark bites you, you know, you don't feel the pain because you run on adrenaline and this is how yeah. you, how your body is, you know, you don't even feel the damage you, you do because you just run on adrenaline and for the long, long term, again, for longevity, it's, it's basically very altering and it's not great for, no, it's too much health, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. And you know, there's so much research now um, showing, I mean, there's so many people skipping breakfast doing 16-8, like that can be a whole separate podcast episode. Um, yeah. And I'm going to write about it because I had a similar experience to you. But there is research that shows that chronically or even skipping breakfast once, not just chronically, alters your insulin resistance the rest of the day. So you skip breakfast and now suddenly you just eat lunch and dinner, your post-meal insulin is higher at lunch and dinner versus if you ate even something small, like you said. So it doesn't have to be this giant breakfast. It can be a piece of fruit, whatever, you know, something um, so that your cortisol just gets calmed down and your body knows there's food around. And so, you know, there may be some people because they're wired a certain way may be fine, like skipping breakfast. But I tell people, if you've been skipping breakfast or you skip breakfast now because you do intermittent fasting, make sure you get your insulin sensitivity checked your yeah. blood glucose levels check. Don't be in la-la land because you think you feel great, like you said, because you're running on adrenaline, but actually your body is like freaking out on the inside. Exactly. It's basically what happened to me, you know. <laughs> wow. So sounds like you found the ultimate blueprint now. I mean, do, what's next? Do you think there's what's no. gonna be the next um, exploration? Where I'm looking into it right now a little bit, um, it's like food combination, you know, like certain foods. Because I've been reading a lot like that, and I've heard it so many times. And you know, in the Ayurvedic medicine, they also say that you should have, for example, like fruit only by himself. Yeah, yeah. Because so I know our society is like okay, and I love smoothies and I love smoothie bowls and I love acai and all that stuff. But maybe I to fully like get a, my digestion a hundred percent. Maybe I just try to have like really fruit by itself, and then if I have oatmeal, I just don't put in fruits. You know. I just have a little bit of seeds with it and um, almond milk or something like that. Yeah, I think this that's basically what I'm doing right now a little bit. But mm -hmm. in general, like high carb, um, low fat, and it's not low fat because in the end of the day, every there's enough fat. Uh, yeah, there's enough fat, and also Robbie and Cyrus they say it all the time. If you listen to the podcast, and they are all over the place right now. Even a banana has 0.8 grams of fat, for example. You know, nobody knows it, and I was also, once I, I went back again on whole food, like plant-based, not many added fats, I started tracking again. And then all of a sudden I realized, oh, one cup of rolled oats has actually eight grams of fat without adding anything. Mm -hmm. You know, this is, it's kind of, and if you should have like around 30 grams a day, that's a third almost, you know? So it's kind of incredible when you look really deep into it then and realize and get a sense for it. 
you don't need to add fats. And if I would have, back when I started, I remember like last year at that time, I would make oatmeal and I would put on a cup of oatmeal with almond milk and I would put like chia seeds, I would flex meal, I would put cacao nibs, nuts and nut butters. And all of a sudden your meal has like 30 grams of fat, which mm -hmm. is insane, you know? So not Calorie saying fat density. is... Uh, yeah. yeah. Calorie density is just very different when you eat like a lot of nuts and seeds and fats in general. And for me, I enjoy eating and I love eating. And the way I can eat now, the amounts of food is just much bigger and it makes me just more happy, you know. Mm -hmm. Larger amounts yeah. of the right kinds of foods. Exactly. It's kind of like what everyone wants in a way, you know, like having huge plates and actually losing weight and not gaining. <laughs> yeah, eat more, weigh less. <laughs> I love exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, it's amazing. And like, don't be just so obsessed about how much you weigh. Really do keep yeah. long-term health in mind as, you, as we've heard, like short-term goals don't always amount to long-term health. Amazing, Jules. Um, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being such a voice of inspiration and consciousness on the interwebs through your platform. You know, I think, like you said, there really does seem to be a shift in the collective consciousness away from this kind of hedonistic, like, let's just eat for pure pleasure to, of course, we're going to eat for pleasure. We're humans, but like, does that have to be the only motivating force? You know, can we also make a more conscious decision for the planet, for climate change, for the animals, for our health? Um, so you now have a new Instagram called sustainable underscore healthy, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I started that. It's just, I want to share some meals I eat and some knowledge I gained over the years, you know. And my other yeah. other one is tools underscore horn. It's mainly my my main page. Yeah. And then you also have a newsletter now that you're sending out through Sustainable Healthy with sort of health and wellness tips. And I think it's really interesting coming from someone in an industry where those short-term goals are so kind of prioritized by so many, right? Like you really are looking for both the short-term goal and the long-term health. So it's doable as you have found and now you want to yeah. share that with people so check out Jules's newsletter um, his Instagram and thank you for your message your work your voice and for the inspiration to so many and can't wait to see what you come up with next thank you for having me it's really a pleasure it was great thank you so much <laughs> <laughs>